0: Hallelujah. If you really believe what you were just singing, then just worship the Lord. Worship the Lord in your own way. Come on, just worship Him, just worship Him. said that your worship is real come on let him feel your worship let him feel your worship hallelujah I can't move forward until the Holy Ghost say so the Lord is Hallelujah. looking for someone that came here today to worship Him. My worship
1: is for real. My worship
0: is for real. Hallelujah. God is looking to have an intimate relationship
1: Hallelujah.
0: with you. Come on, stretch out with your spirit.
1: My worship is for real.
0: Press in the presence Hallelujah. of God.
1: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on,
0: push, push, push.
1: My worship Come
0: on, cry out to God, cry out to God, cry out to God. The enemy's been fighting you all week. Let him know that after everything that he's done, you're going to still worship God. To God. Yes, my is for yes. Come on, somebody say, Yes, Lord. Yes, yes Lord. Blessings been saying no, we, but let the spirit of God in you cry out yes, Lord. is real, Shabbat God,
1: Shabbat
0: God, Shabbat God, Shabbat God, Shabbat God, Shabbat God, God. come on, Shabbat God, come on, Shabbat God, lift up the highest praise to God, call out to God. kingdom of darkness. Here you worship
1: the King of kings and the Lord of lords.
0: Ah, glory. Hallelujah. In my flesh I don't feel like it, but there's something burning on the inside of me that's pushing, that's urging, that's calling for the worship
1: for glory, hallelujah, 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 my God and my
0: King, hallelujah my savior, my redeemer, my joy and my strength, hallelujah. The presence of the Lord is in this place. Reach out, reach out while he is yet here reach out and grab him. reach out and hold on to him come on come on come on come on reach out reach out Lord I won't let you go I won't let you go I won't let you go We thank the Lord For his presence in our house We thank the Lord For his presence in our house Truly the Lord is here with us Hallelujah You may be seated Truly we thank God for all That he's done all that he is doing and all that shall be done that the glory of God might be revealed in us the expressed image of the Godhead in the earth we are the children of the Almighty we are God in the earth through his expressed manifestation and presence We are in Christ and He is in us. Even as the Father was in Him and He was in the Father, so are we that believe the very power and nature of an immutable God is in existence in us. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful to the Lord for each and every one of you know that Your pastor and first lady are praying for you. We salute you. We thank you for your diligence and faithfulness to this work, for your coming. Those that were unable to physically be here, we thank you for tuning in with us. We salute each of you. Our heart is heavy this morning as the news of Sister Carolyn and Brother Timothy's mother are passing away this past Friday. We are saddened in our natural condition at the loss of a family member. Our heart hurts, our body aches, our spirit grieves. I encourage the body of Christ to reach out pray, to support your brothers and sisters in Christ. And while yet we see the passing of another one, we are encouraged by God to take advantage of the opportunity of life that we've been given. I implore you, spend less time being angry with one another. I encourage you, spend less time trying to find fault with one another, and let us learn while we yet can to celebrate the lives of our brothers and sisters, to honor them, to care for them, to support them, to encourage them, to speak into their life, to be what God has called us to be in every moment, denying the works of the flesh and promoting the works of Christ in us. For time, life is short. I believe the writer said that life is a vapor. It is here one moment, and then it is gone the next. For none of us can declare our tomorrow. And since we cannot declare our tomorrow, our responsibility is to do all that we can in our today. Let us promote the works of God through the power of his grace the method of his love one toward another. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The Thompson family know that we are praying for and with you. Amen. That which I know of God is that he shall help us through, yes, he and he cannot fail. Right. Hallelujah. We are living in a time of a great demand for change. People are looking for a change in the system, for change in our leaders, change in our very society. This change that's being sought is a dangerous change in some ways, but it is also a good change in others. Change itself is the very thing we both desire and fear. Human beings resist change. We stay as far away from change as we possibly can. We think in the terms of the devil I know which is an indication that I would rather stay in my current condition because I'm not sure of the extent of a new condition. Will the change that's taking place be good for me? Or am I better off here? I remember the nation of Israel who was looking for a change from bondage in Egypt. And when change came, they cried and said, Why have you brought us out here to die? It was better for us in Egypt. Let us go back. You see, sometimes we become so comfortable in our condition that even when deliverance comes, We resist the opportunity that it presents. The issue of change is affecting this entire nation and it is impacting the entire world. As a matter of fact, when Jesus came on the scene, he represented a major change to the way the world would relate to God he would introduce a new system a new way to walk in the oneness with God this change would ultimately lead to his very necessary death we understand that if Christ had not died the plan of redemption could not be successful but his death would not end the process of change. In fact, it would inspire change. Our rush to judgment about change, there is something about God that we must understand as we are deciding for ourselves whether change is good or bad in and of itself. In our theology, the idea of God's immutability is essentially tied to the eternality of God. God, being transtemporal, cannot change. He cannot change because he is not affected by time. God sits outside of time and is therefore not governed by time. He created time, but sits outside of it. Time, however, is the agent of change in a temporal universe. You see, our bodies are temporal creations which require natural things to extend its ability to thrive, in a temporal environment. God, on the other hand, is not bound by the fading existence of a corporeal creation. It is the infinite and infinity of God that staggers the mind of men. You see, we truly contemplate the vastness of God's being, but it escapes the borders of our mind. Our mind is troubled when it tries to comprehend how vast God is. In the moment you think you've calculated the extent of his vastness, more vastness is revealed. It's a subject that's so vast that all of the thoughts of the wisest men become lost in its immensity. It is a concept that will drown your pride. But while this idea humbles the mind, it also forces expansion. Nothing will so enlarge our intellect, nothing will so magnify our whole soul, but a devout and earnest and continued study of our Creator and Holy Father. Let me sow a seed of thought from the word found in Malachi 3 and 6. For I am the Lord. Notice how Lord is spelled. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. The text is properly translated, I am Jehovah, I change not. Therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. When you see all capital letters in the scripture for the word Lord, it means that Lord is referencing God Almighty. It becomes vital for us to see then three points that are being made by God through his prophets. It's my desire to push you into a deeper understanding of God and propel you on a journey which causes you to think more and more about God rather than the things which are nothing more than distractions. You see, the thought of a believer that is not focused on the belief is just a distraction so that you cannot grow or change in the process of your understanding. Uh, You'll find that the world will push you to contemplate all kinds of things, to think about all kinds of things, to fill your thought life with all kinds of things because as your mind becomes full, it becomes difficult to focus on the things of God. And if I cannot focus upon the things of God, it then becomes difficult for me to change in the manner in which God Dictates. You see, my change is predicated on my knowledge. My knowing is fuel to my changing. This is why the enemy bombards the mind so often. It was once said or described in imagery, a cup that was half full of water. As they talked about the imagery, they said, if I pour something else other than water into this cup, then what I have poured into the cup is infected with what was already in the cup. But if I want something pure in the cup, I have to remove everything out of the cup that is not like what I'm putting in the cup. So then if I'm going to pour juice into the cup, I must first pour out the water. The idea or the thinking according to the word of God is the renewing of the mind. The renewing of the mind is not a combination of what was in your thoughts and what can be in your thoughts. It is the compilation of the removal of old things and the introduction of new. It's important to see the first thing God describes about himself in the passage of scripture that I read. God identifies a character trait or a description of his very essence. To better understand the concept of God, we have to examine the things that make God, God, or else God simply just becomes something else. To better understand that concept, we have to understand that all creatures change. If you examine your own body, you will testify it is always undergoing violent revolution. It is a revolution for which you wish you could both expedite and slow down. We want to speed it up and we want to slow it down at the same time. You see, as children, we desire to grow quicker than our growth is taking place. One of the things our parents constantly tell us is when you have experienced a little bit more of life, you will better understand what's happening or why, as a parent, I'm making the decisions that I'm, dis- that I'm uh, making. When you have children of your own, you will see things through a different lens. You will perceive things in a different manner. You'll be motivated in a different way. While later in life, you think life is moving too fast and you wish that it would slow down. When you become older adults, you wish the process of change, this thing we called aging, would slow down. You begin to think about, contemplate your own mortality. And as you see life then in that moment as a rush to the grave, you begin to realize that the process of change is now happening quicker than I desire. When I look at myself in the mirror, I find my framework has been worn away by activity. My atoms have been removed by friction. Fresh particles of matter have been uh, reinstalled into the body. And so my body is replenished that I might exist in this life. But my ultimate substance is altered. You see, the fabric of which this world is made is ever passing away and regenerating. It is forever going through a process of of change. As we look at the seasons, seasons tell a story of old things dying and new things coming to life. Yes, what well, the foundation of those things become altered, what they are at their core, does not change when you look at the trees you'll find that the trees in the springtime are full of life and full of color and full of all the things that make it beautiful the smells the aroma the imagery of it all but when fall comes You begin to see the process of the change taking place as the seasons are shifting. You'll find that all of its beauty then looks like death. All that was alive begins to change and crumble to the earth, become absorbed by the earth. But yet the foundation that makes the tree a tree remains the same. It is because the tree is a tree that when spring comes the next season, the tree will then again reproduce after its own kind. With this knowledge, I can now see God is perpetually the same. You see, God is not composed of any substance or material. God is a spirit and therefore he is actually. Uh, incontrovertibly, God. God remains everlastingly the same. You see, there are no undulations on his eternal forehead. Uh, We call them wrinkles. Uh, There's no age that has scarred him. Uh, No years have marked him with the mementos of its journey. You see, he sees ages pass, but with him it is eternally now. He is identified as the great I am. A name that identifies his perpetual existence in all of time at the same time. You see, we understand that he is the alpha and the omega. He is thus the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. Before him was none, and after him there shall be none. All exist in him. He is then the essence of perpetual existence. Whatever God was in times past, God still is right now. Uh, You have to ask yourself the question was God powerful? Well if we examine scripture you'll find that scripture is replete with stories and testimonies and eyewitness accounts of the very power of God demonstrated in Our temporal existence. You'll find that God framed all of creation. He caused the world to be. He put everything in order. He moved over the chaos and established order because he is ultimately God with all power. Was he the mighty God when he spoke and his word caused the creations of the heaven and the earth Out of nothing, ex nihilo, from the existence of absolutely nothing, God caused something to come to be. Uh Mm, The testimony is for surety in the past, in the foundations of the world, God was powerful. The question then becomes, is God still powerful in our current climate? Did he show his omnipotence when he began to frame the earth and cause all things to be? The answer is a clear and resounding yes, emphatically, yes, he was powerful then and he is unchanged in that same power because God the great I am, Jehovah, does not change. He is not growing in strength. He is the fullness, of strength understanding that what he was he still is was he wise when he comprised the earth when he laid the foundations of the universe did he have a wisdom when he planned the way of our salvation clearly my soul cries out yes It declares he was wise and still is wise. He is not less skillful. He has not lost his knowledge. His eye which sees all things is undimmed. His ear which hears the cries of his people, the sighs, the sobs, and the groans is not rendered deaf by the years with which he has entertained your prayers. He's not changed in his wisdom. He knows as much now as he ever knew. He knows neither no more or no less. He has the same consummate skill, the same infinite forecasting, because he is unchanged. Just and holy was he in the past. Just and holy is he now. He is unchanged in his truth. He has promised and he brings his promise to pass. He has said it. And it shall be done. He varies not in the goodness and the generosity and the benevolence of his nature. His eternal love stands like a granite rock, uh, unmoved by the hurricanes of your iniquity. And he remains unchanged in his love for you, regardless of the demonstration of your life. God has a plan for you. And he will not change from it. And he has, des- has a desire for you and he will not be tossed to the left or to the right from it. He's not like man who starts something but then does not enough to finish what he starts. We're good oftentimes at starting stuff. We're good at initiating stuff. We're good at writing our plans out. But it's in the finishing that matters. Do you not know that if you don't finish your project, your project can never exemplify the fullness of its beauty? If you don't finish what you have begun, it cannot be what you intended. One of the things my wife would fuss at me about sometimes when I would take on projects in the home is that I oftentimes started out good. And I would go through the days and the days and the days of work and labor to produce Something that was beautiful. Uh, But as many of us do in life, we get tired in the process of the work. We get tired as we toil heading toward our expected end. And the work process slows down and then it comes to a grinding halt so that when the majority... Of the project is done and only the finishing is left we leave it undone i could lay the most beautiful wood floor but if i don't put the molding up that simple finishing work will cause the entirety of my work to not only be undone but look Undone. I'm so glad the Bible tells me that he who started a good thing in me shall complete it. He's not failing in his way. God is not like a fool who starts out with knowledge of what it is that he wants to do and then has no destiny for it. You see, God is destiny driven and he shall get you to your destiny in him. You can count on God's promise for your life. As a matter of fact, by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, he has signed, sealed, and confirmed every word of his promise over your life. He is not like the devalued dollar, which has a face value and also an intrinsic value. And the values are not the same. You see, on the face of the dollar, it represents, it's worth 100 cents, but its intrinsic value is equal to one third of its face value. So while the dollar may look to be a powerful thing on its outside, on its inside, or what really brings its value, you'll find, is quite weak. Well, I know the enemy of your faith would cause you to believe God has forgotten his promise to you. Or that when God spoke to you through his prophets, the prophets misspoke when he caused the prophets to utter his word over your life. I came here today to tell somebody that you can be confident in this one thing. What God has said, God will carry it out. There is absolutely nothing in existence, seen or unseen, known or unknown, that can stop the Word of God from performing exactly what God intends it to perform. I look around and see many of you sitting here in your life struggle, glaring uh, at life as you are uh, raging uh, against everything that's going on like a raging bull uh, before he is speared in the arena. I know and feel the frustration of your very circumstance, but I came here to inspire somebody today to let you know God is able to keep you from falling. I don't know about the gods you serve, but the God I serve is a deliverer. He has delivered his people, Israel, and he shall deliver you. Why do I believe this? I believe this because I understand that God does not change in his essence, and if God then does not change, the Bible then becomes a very inspiring and exciting book. To read when I understand that God is a God that cannot change, does not change, is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. When I look into the past, you see, the Bible wasn't written today, it was written thousands of years ago, and because it was written before my time, I come to a great understanding that the same God that did what the Bible declares is the same God that can do those very things right here and right now in my present life. You see, if God doesn't change in his essence, then his healing power is just as rich today as it was years ago. You see, if the blind were made to see, then your sight can be restored right now, that the glory of the Godhead might be revealed in you. If the deaf were made to hear, then your hearing can be restored right now so that you might hear the voice of the Lord calling. If the lamb were made to walk, then let your crooked leg be made straight and stand firm on the knowledge. Your God is a healer. If the palsy was cured by this same God, then let the sickness and the disease your carnality be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. If the possessed were freed from torment and the possessor was cast out, then let that which has possessed your thoughts and afflicted your mind be cast out in the name of Jesus and the regeneration of the indwelling God, his spirit again be anew in you. If addictions are akin to natural lust of your dying carnality, then let them be buried in the grave of your baptism. Because God is the same God and He changes not. God is the same God and He changes not. Uh, everything that I need is found in God.
1: Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. Everything. everything. Yes.
0: Every expectation Amen. is found, yes, is fulfilled yes, in God. Amen. Amen. We are living. I'm almost done. We are living in a world that wants to believe that God has changed so that the indulgences of your carnality might be filled. I would be wrong if I did not teach you that which is right. Because as much as the unchanging of God is good for your life, There is something that you have to comprehend if you're going to enjoy the benefit of his inability to change. You see, God, the idea is that God will not judge me for my sin because he loves me and in the knowledge of Christ, I am saved. You see, we've adopted this idea that simply because we have a knowledge or an understanding of Jesus that we are somehow transferred from death into life. He loves me because I know who he is. And because he loves me, I can now live Any way I want, and the way that I want is right in the sight of God because He loves me. If God is the same God that He was yesterday, if He's the same healer, if He's the same deliverer, if He's the same loving, benevolent God that He was yesterday but he was also a God of judgment yesterday, then the unchanging God is still a God of judgment today. The grace of God does not change the essence of his character and cause the judging God to now judge less. So what in the mind of God was not right yesterday is in the mind of God today still not right. Amen. I know that the church has adopted its ways and allowed its morality to be corrupted by that which is not of God but I came here today to let you know that when you are living outside of the essence of his character you are in danger of hell fire. I would be a fool not tell you that if you're not living right God is unchanged let me put an end to this deceit God is unchanged in his righteous judgment Let me educate you, if I would, for the next few moments uh, on God's decree to mankind. Because we often misunderstand knowledge with belief. The Bible declares that he that believeth not shall be damned. You see, this is the decree of God it is a statute it is a policy it is a theology of god that can never change because it is part of god's essence you can be as good as you want be as moral as you can be as honest as you will walk as uprightly as you may But this statute of God still stands. He that believeth not shall be damned. Uh You see, the common misconception is my good actions determine my destiny. We are so me-focused that we think me has a place in the equation of eternity. Jesus was addressed as the good master. And when they identified him as the good master, he responded, why callest thou me good? You see, the morality of mankind is not enough. The knowledge and the acceptance of the existence of Jesus is not enough. God's word declares, he that believeth not believe is not founded by knowledge. You see, this is the stumbling block, the rock of offense, but you cannot alter it. You must believe or be damned just as God is unchangeable, so too is his word. I heard a writer once say, and when a thousand years of hell's torments shall have passed away, you shall look on high and see written in burning letters of fire, he that believeth not shall be damned. And when a million ages have rolled away and you are exhausted by your pains and agonies, you shall turn up your eye and still read, shall be damned, unchanged, unaltered. And when you shall have thought that eternity must be coming to an end, that it's upon its last thread that every particle of that which we call eternity has run out and you look up you will see written shall be damned I would be wrong if I did not tell you that he that believeth not shall be damned you see I find it required of me because we live in a day where you can't just say something. There has to be some evidentiary substance behind what you say. To validate your hypothesis so that others might begin to accept the knowledge you have dispelled. That they might become educated in your thought process. Uh, uh, The substance of an unchanging God in the face of such changing times has to be qualified. Uh, I studied God's word. I've looked into the teachers of the faith. I must remind you of that which God spoke through one of the teachers of old. An argument to validate a positional belief and reject the obstinate position of the carnal nature of mankind in its attempt to rebel the judgment of God. You see the carnal nature of man does not want to be judged. The carnal nature of man wants to be validated in its own hypothesis of life your nature your carnality is seeking to live this is why the word declares you ought to crucify your flesh daily but let's go to the Word of God that I might validate this position that I have taken on the judgment of God I, in my studies, moved of the spirit here in the spiritual realm where people take scripture out of context to justify their worldly aspiration. Some people have taken the word of God and used it as a case study to validate their belief. One of the most famous validations of a changing God is found in the story of Hezekiah. Let me close with this today. Isaiah comes in and tells Hezekiah, you must die. Your disease is incurable. Then he gives Hezekiah a command, set your house in order. Uh, We find then reading the text that Hezekiah turns his face to the wall and he begins to pray. Uh, Help me Holy Ghost. At the Knowledge or the understanding of what the prophet has declared over the life of Hezekiah. It pushes Hezekiah to pray. You've got to understand sometimes God simply tells you something because he's trying to push you to do the very thing that will deliver you from the judgment. Hezekiah turns his face to the wall. And he begins to pray. And before Isaiah was in the outer court, God commanded him to go back. And he commanded him to say, Thou shalt live 15 more years. (laughs) Uh, Some will attempt to use this uh, to prove that God changes, that somehow when God sent Isaiah to speak to Hezekiah, that God had situated in his infinite mind uh, that Hezekiah's life uh, was coming to an end in that moment because of the facts uh, of his incurable disease. You see, you have to understand God is setting the record straight. He's letting Hezekiah understand something, that in his current state, nobody else nobody. could help him But people will attempt to use this to prove that god changes but reality dictates another essence or characteristic of god omniscience you see god knew because god knows all things that hezekiah would live. And in knowing what was already to be solidified, the fact that God actually did not change because God already knew Hezekiah had 15 more years. Uh You see, you have to understand the mind of God. Uh, God has a plan. God has a plan for you. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for you. There's no one in existence for which God does not have a plan. God has a plan for you. And the plan of God will be carried out. Because there is nothing that can stop the plan that is instituted by God. Understanding this, we have to take a deeper look into the condition of Hezekiah and also the plan of Hezekiah's life. You see, you've got to understand why Hezekiah was. Uh, you have to understand why Hezekiah's mother and father came into the bedchamber and engaged in life-producing activity, and that The seed of the man impregnated the woman, Hezekiah's mother. You see, there was a purpose, there was a plan for the coming together of the molecules that created and caused Hezekiah's life to be. It wasn't by happenstance, it wasn't by accident, it was on purpose. The first thing you've got to understand about your own life is that you're not here by accident, uh, nor are the things in your life by accident, uh, but the very things you have experienced in the journey of life are to make you so the plan of God can be carried out in your life, because had you not endured what you endured, the plan of God could not be carried out in your life. You've got to understand the plan for Hezekiah's life. You see, Hezekiah was going to have a son. Uh, Hezekiah's son would be called Manasseh. And if you look into the history, you will find that at the time of this interaction between Isaiah and Hezekiah, the son Manasseh was not born, but the son Manasseh had to be born for the plan of God to be carried out. Uh, If Hezekiah died, there could not be a Manasseh. And if there was no Manasseh, there could be no Josiah. And if there was no Josiah, then there could be no Christ. Why? Because Christ comes from that very line. The devil's been trying to wipe that line out. But because of the plan of God, it could not be stopped. So you will find that Manasseh was 12 years old when his father Hezekiah died. This tells me that Manasseh was born after this meeting. If after this meeting, Hezekiah would live 15 years, then 12 is less than 15. So sometime in there, Manasseh was born. You see, God decreed the birth of Manasseh because he foreknew it. Then he decreed that Isaiah should go and tell Hezekiah that his disease is incurable, which is true. In that present time, there was no cure for his disease. You see, it's often that we mix up the context of which God is speaking simply because God says something is incurable. We think that it is incurable to God when he's simply saying that the knowledge of man in this moment is not enough to cure what you got. Uh, Isaiah was just told to tell Hezekiah. That what's happening in your body is incurable through natural means. (laughs) But in the same breath, he declares, but I will cure it and thou shalt live. Well, why does he do this? He does this to stir up Hezekiah in prayer. What happens when you're told something that nobody can fix? is happening in your life, what does it do? It drives you back to God. It drives you to go to the one who is incapable of failing. It drives you to speak to the one who is able to do all things. It pushes you to acknowledge your finite self in the mind of an infinite God. stirs Hezekiah to talk to God. And we know that Hezekiah poses a question. It's as if I'm dead, how can I praise you? Uh, Saints of God you better understand that while you yet have breath in your body you ought to be giving God some praise while you are still in the land of the living it ought to be your ultimate desire that each and every day of your life uh, you magnify and glorify the name of the Lord Hezekiah is talking to God he's praying to God God is pushing him he's stirring him to pray You've got to stop asking how I'm going to make it. And pray to the one who will cause you to make it. You see, God is using this thing called life to stir us up to pray so that you might know what Hezekiah found out. You know what Hezekiah found out, Ma? He found out that the incurable is curable. He found out that the impossible was possible. He found out that what could not be done uh, can be done. He found out what your credit score stops you from. Ah, he can make happen. He found out when you don't qualify, he'll qualify you. He found out You've got to stop asking, how? God will use this thing called life to stir you. We find God allowed Isaiah to speak in the first place as a man. You've got to understand, again, the context in which something is being said. So when Isaiah is speaking to Hezekiah, he is first identifying a man problem. He is identifying a human issue. So Isaiah is speaking as a man when he tells him or he talks about the incurability of Hezekiah's health. According to all human probability, your disease is incurable. And because it is incurable, the fact is an incurable disease will lead to your death because it can't be fixed you must die uh, that's simply a fact he's speaking to him as a man he's letting him know that in the limitation of his earthen existence uh, this thing has greater power than he uh, then he waits as the revelation of knowledge uh, is released into the mind of Hezekiah to see what Hezekiah is going to do sometimes uh, God releases some information to you uh, uh, to see what you're going to do to see how you're going to respond are you just going to give up and throw in the towel or are you gonna pray are you gonna seek the face of God because when Hezekiah sought the face of God then came this little but powerful word at the end of the sentence but You see, Isaiah had not finished the sentence when he executed the death result. He said, you must put your house in order. Why? Because there's no human cure. Uh, There's no human cure. Then we understand that Isaiah walks out. We think that that's the end of the sentence. But it's not. Because... After Hezekiah prays, Isaiah returns and says, but I will heal thee. You see, where is there any contradiction except in the brain of those who fight against the Lord and wish to make him a changeable being? They would have you to believe that in that moment God had established the death of Hezekiah because of an incurable disease. When in actuality, God was simply regurgitating facts, He was simply identifying the problem that you faced in court at the end of a trial, the prosecution and the defense have the opportunity to address the jury. And what do they do? They summarize for the jury all the relevant facts and their expected summation of those facts, in other words, what those facts mean to them, in hopes that the jury will see it the way they see it. My client is innocent because these facts point to this conclusion of innocence. The prosecution would say the defendant is guilty because these facts point to the conclusion of guilt. When you line all these things up, you can only come out with this conclusion. Uh, God was letting Hezekiah know that the facts pointed to a conclusion it just wasn't the final conclusion. You see, some things in your life are revealed to spur in you a desire to seek the one who truly knows the end. Well So when man tells me no I go to God who already knows whether the no is valid or not. When man tells me I'm sick, I go to God who tells me whether my sickness is valid or not. You see, we'll believe when man tells us Rather than believing what God tells us. And when you don't believe what God has to say, you shall be damned. People of God, you've got to understand the power of the God that you profess to be in relationship with. You've got to understand his ability above the ability of all else. His knowledge above the knowledge of all else. His wisdom above the wisdom of all else. His strength above the strength of all else. His love above the love of all else. His desire to see you prosper above the desire of others for your prosperity. many in the world right now are looking for a handout from people who cannot come into the same room and agree on the level of lighting in the room let alone a policy or a practice that would afford you the opportunity to be successful we are putting our hopes and our trust in a body of of human beings who cannot come together on anything and choose to spend their time arguing with each other rather than fixing the issue facing the nation. Too busy pointing fingers at who's failing rather than pushing towards a policy that helps the body of people in this nation. Man will fail you. You cannot depend on what man says. But what God says shall come to pass. The very thing that God has spoken into your life shall happen. It doesn't matter if you've been waiting a long time. It doesn't matter how many days you have counted since you heard the word of God for your deliverance. It doesn't matter how many times you've gone before God and God said, son, I hear you. I'm in here with you. Your day of freedom is coming. It doesn't matter the judgment of man against you. The only thing that matters is what God has to say. Because while man has a say, he does not have the say. God has the final say. And God does not change. Stop. Fooling yourself into believing that God is going to change for you. You've heard me say before that God could care less about how comfortable in life you are. God is not working to make you comfortable. He's working to make you reproductive. The whole purpose of a man in the earth is to reproduce, to populate so that God can govern in the earth through his creation. This is why coming to the knowledge of God, you don't remain the same. You become a new creation, a creation that is yet again born after God. The old man dies. That's the old ways, the old thinking, the old theology. And new things are birthed in him. A new mindset, a new attitude, a new motivation. If you find old things pushing you, then in you there is a necessity for change. Because God will not change To empower the old you. God does not change to empower who you used to be. God changes you so that you can function in who he is. You can't walk in the newness of life if you're wearing old garments. God will not pour new wine into old wineskins. For the old wineskins shall burst. You can't hold the essence of the newness of God in the oldness of who you were. Only a regenerated you can contain the brilliance of the Almighty. This is why God changes you And he does not change himself. God is what he is. And what he is, is forever. Because he is the I am. The great creator, sustainer of life the one and only. For in God there was no mold to break. (laughs) You've got to understand people of God that change is inevitable but that change is not in God that change must be in you. God bless each and every one of you.